Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Can we get this show going already, Dave? I need to get down to the stadium and save my spot for Saturday's fan day. <laughs> Lines are already forming. Also with Boomer. Well, I'm just uh, looking forward at the rate the Big Ten East is going to the uh, massive Indiana-Rutgers clash that apparently will decide the championship as <laughs> no one is going to be left standing before the season kicks Everybody off. already will be disqualified. Yep. Uh, I'm also with Mac. Hey, Redcast. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> choked on this red balloon. I thought these things were supposed to be biodegradable. <laughs> I'm just going to let that one go, Mac. I'm just going to let that one go. Uh, all right, guys. Well, um, it's been a, a busy week in Lincoln with uh, fall practice, busy week on uh, Twitter, uh, and uh, we'll cover everything here tonight on the Go Big Red cast. Honky, why don't you kick us off with a little practice report? I know the media was able to see a good 30 minutes or more of practice today, so now we know everything, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we knew everything the first two minutes of practice because the, the tweets and everything were coming out that this guy was a starter. Furious tweeting. <laughs> this Furious guy's tweeting. a starter, that guy's a starter. And then, so you're you telling know, me that, that Tristan Jebbia, because he was the first one to take snaps a day, was clearly, <laughs> clearly already a starter, is that right? I, I'm guessing, right? Um, here's what's happened since the last week that uh, we, did a, we did a red cast was – they had the first big scrimmage, and that was on Sunday. And what uh, Coach Nander talked about after that scrimmage was that that basically kind of got things into place to where I think they, they're at a two deep right now. Yeah. Not necessarily in order, but just we're, we're at two deep across the board. And we're seeing that in practice today that definitely Jebbia and definitely Martinez, no surprise, they're part of the two deep at the QB. Yeah, they're both going to play quarterback this year. They will both. Oh, sure. they, they both we have that cleared up. We have confirmed <laughs> that they are both quarterbacks. But then the, the next scrimmage that's going to happen is on Friday. And that, I think at the end of that, Frost is supposed to talk. But I would imagine some point early next week, we would start to have uh, you know some press conference where they'd start to make announcements on actual starting lineups and kind of get the depth chart a little more official. Yeah. You can't blame the local media for jumping on this stuff. They've had such limited access mm-hmm. this whole uh, fall camp that, you know, you're kind of clinging for anything you can get a hold of. But, uh, you know, I appreciate the work they do. And, and Lord knows I'm refreshing every 15 seconds to see what new picture or new tweets out there. So I'm, yeah. I'm just as guilty. But yeah. who are- if anyone's telling you they have a pretty good handle on how this quarterback <laughs> race is going to shake out or who's going to be taking the most snaps at, at running back or – Who's the who's the starting nickel corner? Just shut up. You don't know. You don't <laughs> well, know. Unless we're and, telling them, then they and then we're going to find them. out here pretty shortly. So we can rest. I, I promise, though, whoever is starting in any of those positions that I spoke about will be the best players that the coaches have deemed worthy of, of playtime. That much I can assure you, Redcast fans, uh, it, it will be okay. Yeah. Well, and the good news is our next segment was starting lineup. So 
that's already done. So I'm out of here, guys. I'm gonna go to <laughs> fan day. So <laughs> see you later. You know, Hunk, uh, <laughs> uh, the 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 news and notes that came out of practice today, there was some interesting tidbits, and like you, we just said, I mean, you take it for what it is, grain of salt, but you know, for example. The rotation on on D line, I think I read somewhere interesting, where it was actually Freedom, McStoltenberg, and Ben Stilley uh, out there as as a group, and then it was the Davis twins, and um, I forget who else. Oh, Peyton Newell, that was it. I think mm-hmm. that, I, that was interesting. You had, you had to read, read all through the notes to find some of these things, but that was a, <laughs> one that stood out to me. Yeah. Well, and I was listening to uh, Sam McEwen yesterday and on the on a podcast, and he was talking about Carlos Davis specifically being someone that's going to play all three D-line spots. And I'm sure he's not the only one, but that's we know we're going to see a lot of Carlos Davis. And whether that's at right end, left end, or, or in the middle, you know, he's going to be out there. There's been a lot of talk about the safeties in the secondary in the last couple of days. And the safety discussion starting to kind of filter itself through a little bit. And Coach Fisher said we don't really have a free safety and a strong safety. We just have safeties. I thought that was interesting, though. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you have Aaron Williams and Deontay Williams, Trey Neal, the UCF transfer, Antonio Reed, and then JoJo Doman. Those five are still kind of in the mix, and Doman was starting to get talked about as the nickelback, too. So that's kind of, you know, there's again, it's not specifying who's a starter, but it's kind of, they're starting to work through. We, we've been very high on Dismuke, and his name obviously come up at all. wasn't coming up. So yep. some guys are starting to kind of get filtered out a bit. Here's the good news is we, we have just as good a chance of being right as anybody else on our <laughs> predictions. So, I mean, we'll find out. <laughs> that, uh, the I mean. most correct thing right now is the performance chart that we've heard about, and that is we've talked about compete, compete, compete. They apparently, uh, the coaches will put up a performance chart every day, and it gets updated daily. And where you fall on that, and there's a point system to go along with it, that's how they're going to determine ultimately who are starting and who's not and how that point system works. I mean, only the coaches are probably going to know that. But if you're throwing an interception, that's not going to help you as a, as a quarterback, quarterback. If you're fumbling the ball, you know, that's not going to help you as a running back and so on. So, um, but that, so maybe the media doesn't know who's going to start, but the players probably do. Well, you know, I'd be curious. You would think they probably do. I mean, certainly they have an idea if they're gauging every rep practice. At least the process the is, yeah. is transparent to them, right? I mean, there's no secrets there to Honky's point that sheet is getting updated on a daily basis. So whether that is exactly how the depth chart plays out, at least from a competition standpoint, they know where they stand uh, right now. Well, Honky and I were talking about this earlier today, and it, this is such a new coaching staff to us. We don't know their coach speak so well to know, kind of read between the lines on who's starting, who's not starting. But the one thing I think they're, they're trying to do is be consistent with the message to their team and, and the consistent with the message in practice that if you're the most consistent, most efficient, least amount of mistakes guy, you are going to be seeing significant play time. And I think you could be seeing that play out of the quarterback position but then again, I don't know because I haven't seen it. Well, and it's and it's interesting is that they they want the guys to make the least amount of mistakes, but they also focus on no fe- no fear of failure. So I mean, it's this kind of this Ooh. go out there and, and play a hundred percent and don't worry about making a mistake. But there's also you know there's this element of but don't make too many mistakes either because that's not efficient and that's gonna it's a know. results business, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's a fine line. I don't know how they're dancing that, but it seems yeah. to be working. Uh, hey, right. Anything else, Hank, on, on that? 
No, we're still undefeated. I'm happy. Yes. True. It sounds like Barrett Pickering is probably going to win the um, starting field goal kicker job. Is that, that right, Boomer? Well, that's been some of the talk. Yeah, he's he's apparently kind of separated himself as far as the place kicking goes. I think Light Porn's still going to handle the kickoff duties, and I won't be surprised if we see some of him, you know, do, uh, doing a little place kicking too. But yeah, sounds like Pickering's definitely stepped up from what we've heard. So, well, we got that figured out. At least you got that. So there you go, Redcasters. Excellent. You can trust us there. All right, Honk. Uh, if we want to move on, we can probably head into some of our uh, Twitter polls. We've been very active on Twitter this week, uh, interacting with our fans. We have some good polls out there. Uh, what can you give us? Yeah, let's start with a follow-up poll from one that we did back in May. And it's one where we went game by game through the season and just asked everyone, you know, are we going to beat Akron? Yes or no. Are we going to beat Colorado? Yes or no. And with over 3,600 votes total, uh, we <laughs> the Redcasters had us going 10-2 and two mm. when you do it at a game-by-game level, which was actually one game better than they had us going back in May. They had us at 9-3 and three at the time. The game that flipped here is that uh, we're now beating Michigan. So <laughs> they, they have us 99% said we're going to beat Akron, 98% said Colorado, 98% Troy. But uh, it was Michigan we won by 55%. The two losses were Wisconsin and Ohio State, 60 and 78%, you know, had us losing those. And then, of course, 92% have us beaten Iowa. So, but 10, but <laughs> 10 and 2. None of this is to be taken as gambling advice, Redcaster. Uh, <laughs> That's right. So, purposes so, yeah. so we're 10 and 2, but then we followed it up. What we didn't do back in May we, this time around is we followed it up and then just asked the very generic question to the exact same people and said – uh, what do you think NU's overall record is going to be? Seven and five, eight and four, nine and three, and ten and two. And this time around, eight percent said ten and two. So only eight percent think we'll actually go ten and two as a record. But when you go game by game, we were ten and two. Thirty-two um, percent has us at seven and five. Forty-three percent has us at eight and four. So basically, three fourths of the people think we're going to go eight and four or seven and five. So, so yeah. basically, if you look at big picture. That's the exact opposite of what the philosophy of the coaching staff is. Day by day, you're ten and two. But if you go big picture, too big, you know, yeah. Then you're then you're seven and five. Don't so, don't look too big yeah. right now. Day by day, the most important game on this schedule is Akron. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is every so day fantastic. we want to be be one and zero, oh, right? <laughs> That's right. That's a frost approved message. Want to be right one and zero on every Saturday. I, I'd like to be one percent better every day, but D'Antonio was on BTN the other day, and he said they they have to be three percent better. So <laughs> I don't know. There's what an arbitrary number. We're, I only He's raising two. the bar. <laughs> I only feel two and a half percent better than I did last week's show. That's why we're a two and a half star podcast, by the way, Dave. On a, oh, on Twitter, you were asking. I thought about we were that, gonna so. get a bump like Nick Heinrich. You know? Ooh, yeah. That oh, would be nice. nice segue. Well, the frost, nice. the frost effect's still kicking in. So. Yeah, we now have another four star. We actually mentioned this last week, right? And uh, rivals updated their list. Now he's also in the top two fifty in the country. Is that right? Oh, he's like a hundred tenth now. It's wow. unreal because. Because of all the things that have happened yes. since the all last those, time they've voted. all those games he's yeah. played since no last games week. and oh yeah yeah no, no camps yeah no well his but, mustache is filling in <laughs> so that's at least a hey, point nine hey if it makes if it makes some fans out there happy honestly I mean it if it makes people happy cool I I don't understand it I don't I didn't understand why he wouldn't be a four star earlier with the with the you know the the teams that were going after him and everything but whatever I, it's that's the recruiting game that we're playing. And 
And the most important thing, more important to the, than the stars to me, is that we're getting these guys here. We aren't letting these in-state kids Correct. go to Iowa or Wisconsin uh, like we've had, or in the case of Heinrich, going to Florida or LSU or some of those you know, non-traditional schools that are coming into Nebraska to go after a player. Sure. I, we just definitely have a, send out a, a kudos to Dirk Chatelain, Chatlin. How do you say his last name, Dirk? Sorry about that, man. He's from listening. Columbus with us. Man. I know. Should... I, he has a, a cabin on the same lake my family has one. I, ah. I, it's right down the right down the, the lake shore. Anyway, uh, Dirk's had an amazing run of articles about Husker in-state recruiting, which I really feel like he has just picked Honky's brain inside and out and actually <laughs> said everything that Honky never really can quite get out. Like, Honky the, says things on feeling and emotion, and Dirk actually put, like, <laughs> numbers and actual real data behind this uh, breakdown of what has happened to in-state recruiting uh, over the last 15 years with Nebraska and the challenges that Scott Frost faces. And uh, it's just been an excellent piece of reporting by uh, by Dirk personally. Well, what do you think, guys? See, Dave, that's the difference between you and I, though. You are more like Dirk in the sense of being like a journalist, and I'm more like a football coach on emotion. I'm in a glass case of emotion. And one of the guys that, that one of the guys that he interviewed was Jeff Ashby, who was the Giltner head coach, the head coach of, of Drew Ott in high school. And Ott, of course, it was the Gatorade Player of the Year, eight-man football player. Uh, went to a Nebraska camp, dominated at the Nebraska camp, and then the Nebraska coaches, Vince Morrow at the time, they cooled on him and kind of said, well, you know, we want to hold off until we can see some of your film from your senior year. And this head coach, he's like, are, what are you talking about film from his senior year? He's going to be playing five eight feet, football. eight-man <laughs> football against five feet, eight, 160-pound yeah. dudes. What are you going to see that you didn't just see in this camp where he was killing people? He's going to dominate, yeah. basically, so the film. He, he yeah. was very emotional about it. Some of the quotes that he had, he goes, when you, can, when you can't get coaches to drive 75 miles to talk to a kid, it's not the way it used to be. And then the other thing that Ashby said, people don't like Iowa, but I'll tell them Iowa is what Nebraska used to be. That's, those are some emotional-type statements. And, and what he's referring to is obviously Nebraska pre-Scott Frost. That's, that's the flipping part. To go back to the initial thing that we talked about with Nick Heinrich there, I don't care that he got the four-star. I care that we got him. Correct. I care that, that we're keeping Iowa out of the state and Wisconsin out of the state, and we're keeping those kids, and those kids are choosing us over plenty of options. There's talent in this state. Get the talent you can get. That's what Frost said on the first day, and he's living it, man. He, he's It's success. Sure. And, the, so, and um, the Matrix is autocorrecting as you see the four-star bump because that's how, <laughs> that's how we'll win that's championships right. is by – our recruiting class is going up, and the only way that works is if our 500-mile radius guys get a bump in yep. the rankings. So, yep. let me bring Boomer in on this a little bit. Uh, you know, Dirk did really put down some numbers there of the amount of participation in Nebraska high school football is down. Uh, there's a lot of lot of reasons there. Omaha is not producing as many players. I think there's. Uh, you know, explanations on both sides of this of like, you know, if Nebraska's not recruiting these guys, you know, other schools aren't. Um, but then at the same time, we've lost all these players that Honky's just mentioned. Uh, Boomer, I mean, is there anything out of those articles that you took just from a, a statistical standpoint that, you know, kind of explains uh, some of the reduction in, in even the walk on in scholarship talent that Nebraska's landed in state over the last 15 years? Well, I mean, some of it, you know, is clearly demographic. You know, a lot of the smaller towns just don't have the, the, 
you know, the youth population they used to have. Um, so you are seeing a lot of just decline in the smaller schools that were there that could, you know, occasionally turn out a player that, that was there, a diamond in the rough that you could find in places like this. And, I, you know, so that's going to be a challenge going forward with Nebraska. That's just part of the nature of being a Great Plains school is you're going to have those demographic challenges dealing with that, uh, just in the changing attitudes towards football. You know, we'll see what if Nebraska can have some success, what that might do to, you know, stay in interest or, you know, get interest in playing the game. Um, I think that's a really good point, Boomer. You could I, see that resurrect or, you know, the, it may just continue to kind of be a slow decline in the interest in football as kids play more, you know, different sports, soccer, and all those club sports become more year-round rather than, you know, football being what it was when we were in high school. It was just, you know, what you played in the fall and you did basketball in the winter and, you know, track or something in the spring and you'd, you know, everyone could play different sports. You had a chance to learn everything else. Now it seems a lot of kids commit to playing one sport so early in their life. That's what they play. So that's a challenge. And I think the other big challenge, you know, that I took away from that was just talking about just the increasing, you know, cost of college. I was struck. Yeah. He said, like, one of the, the average tuitions four times what it was in the 90s. That's just going to put so much pressure on kids. It's, it's hard to say, yeah, you guys should all walk on to Nebraska if – you know, the South Dakota states or Wyoming's are going to offer you a scholarship. I mean, we're limited to how many we can have, so that's going to be a challenge, and that's that's going to affect every school, you know, that not just us, but that definitely is a, a challenge where we would have had those guys as walk-ons, you know, when school is more affordable than it is now. and So that's part of the fun. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think Cluster Johnson mentioned that, you know, even with his son's um, if they could have walked on at Nebraska, he probably would have had him take the scholarships at South Dakota State and, and Wyoming. Honky, you want to jump in on this? Yeah, I mean, those are valid arguments, but they're also ones that are a little tired in the sense that Frost has already started to flip them. You know, for the, the walk-ons that won't come here because of the, the cost of education, boy, he sure got a big walk-on class, didn't he? And, and he's been able to get guys that the Moses Bryants and, and a list of players. That, that was, was a great too. that was a great shrine bowl of players that ended up walking on here that could have been playing in a lot of places. So, but but that was the narrative for a long time was kids just won't walk on anymore. Well, they won't if you don't ask and and if you don't try. Yep, that's right. There's also what what was it? Fifteen thousand players uh, in in Nebraska high schools back twenty years ago. Now it's twelve thousand. I think something that needs to be delved into a little bit from an analytics standpoint is how many people stop playing football in this state because everything everything in this state funnels down from the university. We've seen it in basketball in the 90s when Danny Knee was running up and down tempo. We would have Nebraska Bison teams going on to Vegas and, and playing great ball. High school kids in the state of Nebraska filtered down. Look at volleyball right now, this talent-rich state of volleyball. Let's go back to 2001 when John Cook gets hired, and let's pretend for some stupid reason they hire me. And, and think, of, <laughs> think of all the great things I would have done coaching volleyball at Nebraska, right? The program goes into this, you know, horrible morass. Is that the word that you use, Boomer? And, <laughs> and, so it's, and volleyball's horrible for the next 16, 17 years. Do we have this state full of volleyball talent today? Or is the, or is the volleyball talent that we see at the high school level reflective of the program here, here at the university. It leads down all the way to where girls are in third grade and they're already playing volleyball, and it's because of that. Well, in football, if you have the program that we've had over the last 15 years, yeah, I, I coached midget football for 20 years of that. I can remember when I first started coaching in the late 90s, 90% of the kids on my team would have Nebraska gear underneath their, their pads, you know, in practice. And by the time I'm done coaching, you know, three, four years ago, one of the last teams I had, I mean, 10% of the kids were. And there yeah. were in Oregon and Texas and all that. You know what? 
it's cool to wear Nebraska stuff again now. I, I'd love to just it it is just cool. eight months difference. I'd love to see what a midget football practice looks like right now. Sure. With a lot kids. of those kids like we talk about Oregon and how they just like the style of play, and then suddenly they're going to have that in their own backyard. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think if Nebraska has success in the field, you'll probably see uh, more participation um, at the local level. Yeah, All does right. twelve does twelve thousand football players this year become 12,500 in a couple of years. I mean, for all the talk of demographics, the state's not declining in size. Not at all. The population's getting bigger. Lincoln East is having have a record freshman incoming class this year. So Southeast, yep. and they're looking to build another high school. So you can't act like the population. It may have shifted from less Western to more It's Omaha and Lincoln Eastern. now, yes. But, yeah. but the fact is, there's still kids there. And if we're talking about some of the kids who may have stopped playing football, let's not act like they're all super elite guys either. But I... I think it's funny, you know, like when Frost talked about there's a lot of excuses I've heard why Nebraska football can't be good anymore. I think this is one of those excuses. That Yes, you could look at that and you could point at that, but I think Honky makes a great point. He's like, well, they're not going to walk on if you don't ask them to. And we're asking them to. And we're, and, we're, and we're providing packages that these kids are interested in doing. You've got a buddy who's got a kid who's walked on. And, and, and like what he's telling you, he's getting. And he's on the 110 roster. The, 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 the finances yep. is, is an interesting piece because when you start to add in things like, like the, the laptop that they get and the access to all the resources here, the, 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 the weight training, the food, and then you go to another school, and yeah, you're getting your school paid for, but you're going and eating McDonald's every night because they don't have a training table. If you just only want to talk dollars and cents, there is a dollar and cents value to being a walk-on. There is, and that doesn't always get talked about enough. But just in general, I mean, and here's one other thing. I, I want to cut off anybody that listens to us here, and, and, they, and then they're going to tweet at us. No one on this show, myself included, has ever said that we're going to we need to build our entire recruiting classes out of Nebraska. That's idiotic, and we and the only reason I bring it up is because we've had a, a one or two of our followers mention that in tweets where it's like, you know, well, anyone that thinks every kid deserves a scholarship from the state of Nebraska, no one's saying that. Frost isn't that. saying that. Never we have said never that. said that. Right. Honky's been very, is, very on the record that about five per year on average would be I, I've just normal. I've thrown that out as just kind of a number, right? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't have to be that way every year, although yeah. – Sure would be nice this year if we can get Hickman. That would be five, right? Yep. And there's right. other ki- and and it doesn't have to end at that. There's other kids that still could warrant one. But the point is, what Frost said on day one: if there is a kid that is is worthy of it, we cannot lose those kids to go play somewhere else anymore. And that's that's the big thing. Yep. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. That was good stuff. A uh, bit of a tan- tangent there, but let's go to another Twitter poll, Hunk or yeah. Melbag, whatever you got. Uh, here's another Twitter poll. Uh, Trey Bryan is healthy and Maurice Washington is eligible, so the running backs room is is a, a little more crowded than we originally thought. So with all that depth, who do you think will be the Huskers' leader in total rushing yards? And uh, we gave Trey Bryant, Greg Bell, and Divino Zigbo and other as the options with 963 votes. So thank you to everyone who voted. 26% said Trey Bryant. 58% said Greg Bell. 8% said Zigbo. And 8% said other, and when they told us who their others were, we had everything from Martinez, a couple of Washingtons, uh, Miles Jones, even someone had that, which Jones is technically listed as a receiver, but with Duckar stuff, I mean, my gosh, he could certainly get his hands on the ball quite a bit too. So That's uh, ridiculous, honestly. But that he would lead us in Everybody's entitled to their vote, but that's, <laughs> that's like throwing it away. Knocking democracy, are you there, McGuire? Well, 
I was like, I'm just going to be different. Here we go. You know, whatever. Well, it is interesting that in the question you actually mentioned Maurice Washington, and he was on the other other option and still didn't actually get that many votes. So maybe people are just being somewhat logical here and level-headed about the uh, the Mo Washington hype train, uh, which I doubt. But uh, Greg Bell is is a, a good choice. And uh, yeah, I, I almost thought Trey Bryant would actually score higher on that pool. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I think people feel a little snake bit by Trey Bryant's knees, and sure. I understand that to an extent. Yeah. I, I, if he was truly fully healthy, and I'm not saying that he isn't, but if he was 100%, I would think that would be about a 50-50 split. Greg Bell, though, comes in, man. He, this is the Juco number one running back. You know, he, he went to back-to-back championships, and in those big games he had over 100-yard games. So he's a gamer on top of being you know, a highly touted recruit. So, And he, he seems to be a perfect fit for this offense. Uh, so between those two guys and then with Maurice Washington in there, um, you know, I was just watching this, The Truth About Trinity. Uh, Max oh, yeah. Preps puts this out with Deion Sanders, and they, mm-hmm. have, uh, they have Mo Washington on there. A pretty good series, actually, to watch. But <sighs> that kid's legitimate. I mean, I, didn't, I, I apologize for not even paying more attention to him until he became eligible. I just didn't think he'd be a factor this year. I mean, it's, it's, sure. it's changed I mean, my expectations of the seasons a fair amount. And that running back room is completely different than just a few weeks ago at the start of camp. It's crazy to me. With, with Bryant being back and Mo Washington eligible, man, the sky's the limit. That pushed yeah. Maurice Jones, or not Maurice Jones, uh, Miles Jones to that wide receiver position now, as opposed to where he may have got a few more carries. Sure, so, sure. So, great, yeah, great. it's interesting. If you look at UCF and how they distributed their carries – uh, there was that Duckar position getting getting some. I think there was probably what maybe four four or five guys last year that got forty or more carries. So quite a bit of uh, distribution. Uh, so we could see that as well. I think part of that I think will play out on on how many of our games are somewhat of a blowout and we actually have some ability to to dive into that depth, which just kind of reminds me of like. You know, the 90s Huskers where you'd have, you know, Clinton Childs run 12 times for 120 yards or whatever it is, you know, uh, by, by playing in the fourth quarter. So we could get some some big numbers uh, for some backups just by having some, some games actually play in our, our, our hand. So. It, it also may be a matchup game, Dave, just sure. depending on how they want to attack the, a particular defense based on if they feel like, you know, what they like to do with that duck R position from what I can see is really – try to isolate some slower defenders and burn those guys. So whether that splits them out wide or they bring them in as the running back in that position, it gives them a ton of flexibility. So yeah, I think you're it's that that to me is the most interesting position on the on the offensive side that we're going to see a difference from last year. True. All right, good stuff. Anything else on on the running backs guys? Nope, that pretty much answers that uh, Twitter poll. Um, aside from that, one other thing that just as a roster update in general, um, Quayshon Alexander is still listed as part of the team, but as an injury, sounds like he, he won't be playing anytime soon. Cedric King was back in, I think he was back in Florida, I think it was, with mm-hmm. some personal issues, and he may or may not be on the team anymore. And just to update people on what that means to scholarships, we're sitting at 83 scholarships right now. If Cedric King isn't part of the team, that would be 82. And, again, those, th- you know, that would leave three scholarships open to walk on. So right now it looks, unless somebody unexpectedly leaves this late into the, to the game, we're looking at somewhere between two to three spots open for, for walk-ons to get a scholarship for this, this semester. 
Excellent. Uh, do you want to do some mailbag? Yeah, then, let's Dave? do some mailbag, man. All right. So mailbag, we have um, Tony Hayek asked a question. He goes, uh, "Can't remember if I've talked to you guys about this or not, but can you discuss the SEC bias?" And uh, Cube I'm Boomer. Sure we've, <laughs> sure, we've talked about it a couple times, but Boomer, you, you've even been having some some interesting Twitter conversations about this. So, what are your thoughts on SEC bias? Oh, I think they're well known. Uh, <laughs> it exists. Is that what it, you're telling me? It does me? exist. I don't see how anyone could uh, could argue otherwise. You know, some of it is, you know, some of it's just fun to needle SEC homers a lot and just watch them get all worked up trying to defend you know, a conference that their team might be terrible in, but by God, they're going to claim the titles as well somehow, magically. But uh, So that's part of the fun, just getting them all worked up. But uh, we talk about the SEC having, you know, a lot of advantages built in towards it. Some of it's, you know, partnering with ESPN. Just there's an article earlier this week, they were ranking the toughest divisions in football. And, of course, they rank the SEC West as the toughest division in all of college sports for some reason, I guess. But... Just, you know, they're setting the narrative already. So, you know, Alabama could not even win that division and, again, you know, go to the playoffs or something to that effect if you want to get all conspiratorial about it. So things like that you see. And uh was a good article we were uh, tweeting some excerpts from from CBS Sports um, just on the lack of uh, true road non-conference games the SEC gets away with playing. Uh, look, you know, just some of the numbers that were coming out on that. It uh, Alabama hasn't played a – true road non-conference game since what was it 2011 is that when they went to Penn State last yep that's correct last time they they did that and they have played uh, basically none since the playoff era began and they've only played six since the year 2000 six since games and and the system rewards them for it and the SEC is pretty miserable at it I'm not saying the big 12 or you know the big 10 aren't astoundingly better on that front but much improved from that and and it's just part of the built-in, you know, system. They know how to game it. They know how to play the system, and they can get away with it. So yeah, they found a formula yeah. here, right? They have an eight-game conference schedule. Uh, sometimes they don't play for years and years. I oh. think the numbers between Alabama and Georgia. They yeah, they rarely so meet in regular the title season. game. I don't really understand how that how that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they have these neutral site games, which Alabama plays at the beginning of, of the year every single time. They have the the the, the brilliant. Uh, free bye week by doing the FBS school or FCS school late right. in November, right? Which essentially gives them a second bye. Yep, second uh, bye I mean, they, they have a formula, you know, they, they really stick to it too. They haven't figured out. And I think that's kind of one of the unfortunate things that's come out of the whole college football playoff committee is that they reward it. So why yeah. wouldn't you do it? I have a hard time, you know, criticizing them too much for it. If they're going to be rewarded for doing so, I guess let's, they're going to continue to do it. Why wouldn't they? So, yeah, what what was one of the things in the um, the CBS article, and like the amount of non-conference home games by conference? I think the SEC had only played like thirty-four. Yeah, I think. it was thirty some in the in the oh in the playoff era. Yeah, it was only about thirty, and that's just in the entire conference. Now the Big Twelve had fewer, but that was I think like thirty-one. But they have less teams, right? So even like uh, you know. Uh, road conference games per team the, you know the big 12 was far and away above the sec so yeah that's now just, they can get away somehow arkansas did not get the memo because producer skip who's a big colorado state fan uh arkansas is making the trip up to fort collins this this year which is kind of 
Well, I assume they, they probably signed that contract back in the old Southwest Conference days, and they just kind of forgot about it. <laughs> I assume it's like a ah, Bobo crap. connection yeah. because of his Georgia ties, maybe. He, he hoodwinked them. <laughs> Did they pioneer the neutral site game, Michael? Is that is, can, we, can we credit the SEC for the neutral sites? I, it I'd seems like an Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's a history of neutral them. site games going back to, you know, the early years of the sport. I mean, heck, Nebraska used to play Iowa and Omaha and things like that, and we'd play, sure. you know, random teams like that. So that's been, you know. Yeah, and Nebraska Something played way back the kickoff when. classic. That was yeah, kickoff classics, games. and we played in yeah. Japan, you know, against K-State that one year. Um, you know, so that's been done before. But I think just having it on such a regular basis like this and your big non-conference game every year being a neutral side. Yeah, I mean, game, when it was a kickoff yeah. classic or some kind of special, but if it's just like well, the third Well, they brand it the same way, Mac. I mean, they don't. I mean, no one really buys it like that because the like, kickoff classic was only one game, and we stood out. We played a week before everyone else, everything like that. Now it's a week one game, but the game that Alabama plays in in Atlanta every year is brand the Chick Fil A kickoff classic or some yeah. ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. See, Dave, I think the dangerous thing that's happening here is that the neutral site games used to be a one off thing, right? But then just in the last week, LSU and Florida State they agreed to a two game neutral site series. They basically essentially call them home and away. Except instead of playing in Death Valley and, and Tallahassee, they're playing in New Orleans and Orlando. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, Why? I mean, I mean you have and, two of the best stadiums, two of the best venues on campus. Yeah. Why no, I have totally, games like that not being on campus? Well, totally athletic getting, department ahead, staff, they really need a break that early in the year. It's time for their little mini bowl game and, and escape. I mean, you know, it's, it's painful to watch it. Like you said, you've got a couple of the best – college campuses to play on and atmospheres and let's throw that to waste and let's make sure our actual home cities our universities are based in see none of the economic benefit from the biggest game you're probably playing all season that could have the most visitors and things like that let's make sure a you know an nfl sized tourist trap stadium gets that benefit i, I totally then, get you guys i'm actually yeah, on your side but i mean the but, article but remember this is all amateur sports too so let's keep that in mind the CBS article makes a good point from the financial side that actually it's a outside of I think the actual college town and the economics of that local economy benefiting from hotel rooms and and restaurants and all those type of things. Uh, I think Florida State was the example last year. They got I don't know it was like five million dollars for playing their neutral site game, and they claim that Florida State only makes two point three million for every home game. So they're making more money, and it's each each team. Uh, in a neutral site, gets the same thing. So five yeah, or six million dollars each get it, that, it, uh, yeah. and so that's they're they're making the case that from a financial standpoint, the universities see it as a win. You know. Yeah, I was contemplating that, and I, it seems that most of that money just comes from a, a corporate sponsor of that game. They can call it the Chick Fil A, whatever. You know, we could call it yep. the Runza, whatever. You know, we wanted to here. Now, is there any particular reason you couldn't play those games in your campus stadium and just have a corporate sponsor that day? I was just thinking that same thing, Michael. Why does this have to be done at some sort of home games? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't think. I wouldn't think there'd be anything against that, but it sure seems to be one of the driving motivational factors. Is Chick Fil A and ESPN or Fox or whoever pays a bunch of money to have this game on a neutral site? Well. This is a deep question, and, and Tony, we thank you for it. Good job, Tony. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, we'll talk about but this more. But, yes, there is SEC bias out there. Let's follow, let's follow this one up with a, a lighter question, and we have Jess from Colorado. And uh, it's always <laughs> great to have some of our female listeners uh, asking us questions. And Jess said, uh, what is the food that is a symbol of football season and tailgating? Uh, Dave, I'll start with you. What, what food just tells you it's fall? 
anything from Boomer's dad's tailgate is is what I think about when I think about uh, tailgate food, which usually is you know high end uh, steaks, uh, and exotic cuts, and whatnot. That's what I'm really after. Oh my gosh, Boomer's There's a lot of Lowry seasoning. Oh, <laughs> and Boom, Boomer's dad. The food he'd bring down. Boomer's dad had great connections, obviously, over the years with the football program with Milt Teneper. We'd have Teneper come is to some Vaughn of our. Gonna, is Vaughn going to cater the well? The Go Big I don't Red know. Cast, uh, oh, our tailgate. tailgate. I'm not. I'm not sure about oh, that's that. That's a great but, idea. Hey, but, Vaughn. But, <laughs> but I mean, but we've had we've had tailgates in Boomer. You can go into this. We've had tailgates where we'd had Milt Teneper come over and hang out with us, and and oh my gosh, those are some of the greatest times in the the food. I, you know whether the, the the game on the field was great or not. You knew that the the conversations off it were, were just going to be awesome. That's where I coined the phrase uh, the phrase meat blindness. Like I ate so <laughs> much correct. steak, I went blind. Yeah, was, don't Google that. that any glorious. of you on Redcasters out there? Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Well, Boomer, you, you are the you are the food connoisseur. I think of the of the Redcast. What what food symbolizes football to you? Oh, geez. It's hard to just say one particular food. Like you said, just anything you break off that grill is always great. You know, whether it's a, you know, kind of a more exotic cut of a beef you don't see, like a culotte, those are always great. Or some of the game <laughs> you can bring culotte. in, like, a, you know, elk is always wonderful, you know, for a tailgate, something a little different, catch people off guard, or the deer hot dogs. Uh, some of the things I like to make or bring that always bring, uh, start bringing uh, tailgate ideas to it, you know, uh, Big on a uh, little spring rolls that I like to make. Those are always great. Fry those. Those there. are excellent. The cast iron skillet. Those are good. You know, and as the as the season kind of gets a little colder, my brother and I usually do uh, chili, you know, cookoffs there at our tailgates too. So that's always kind of fun. That starts that's screaming. A good point. It starts screaming a uh, tailgate, you know, food type weather. And then another big end of it, we always uh, declare crappy beer tailgates, and we all see what just horrendous types of cheap beer we can bring. <laughs> And uh, uh, some, you know, we even try to go out of our way sometimes to bring some from visiting uh, fan bases. And I'll tell you, any of our uh, Golden Gophers listeners, <laughs> Crane Belt is just awful. Man, we couldn't Crane even give belt. that away to Gophers fans last time they were here. That was, uh, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, everyone everyone mocks things like Schlitz and Pabst until they're out of their own beer. Then guess who's coming begging to us? So. <laughs> That's right. At $14 a 30s pack, it's always a pretty sweet deal. Well, yeah, uh, it's just good financial Rim sense. always yeah. makes these uh, these bacon wrap like turtle dove breasts that are just unbelievable. Um, you know, but for like at the stadium, the the Fairbury hot dogs for me are kind of my number one deal. Mm-hmm. You remember the old that dude who used to just throw hot dogs up from like stands below, and then you put your change back and throw them at him, and that's how you'd pay him. Do you remember yeah. that guy used to be in I the do. stadium? He's, He's actually like an attorney out west. west oh yeah, 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 actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff for me, like. In the stadium, that's what I want. But man, uh, if if you can if you can find Von Bloom in the in the tailgate area, just post up, folks. Great question. All right. Question. Um, final mailbag question. Uh, we couldn't get to all of them, but uh, Scott Dace, who we get we get quite a few from Scott. This is a good one here too. Regarding the practices, and we mentioned how the media is kind of hit and miss on what they've get, been given access. But just this is a general good or bad answer here, and I'll start with you, Dave. Is it good or bad right now, in your opinion, that that there is this lack of media coverage? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned this last podcast. I understand the frustration with the lack of media coverage because we're used to more over the last three years with with Riley, maybe even a little bit more with Bo. I, don't, I can't quite recall 
but a lot of other colleges don't have much access either. And uh, so it's not that uncommon. So maybe we're just, it's all relative, I suppose. Uh, I guess maybe the bigger question is, is, is what are they hiding? You know, I mean, NFL practices have a lot of exposure out here in Denver. The Broncos have thousands of fan, fans at their practices over a two or three week period, and it's no big deal. Um, and, you know, if we look at a situation, what we've just heard about in Maryland right now with DJ Durkin and that training staff where there was a tragedy that occurred, maybe if there was more people at those practices and more transparency um, that maybe some of not only the, the, the tragedy of a death of a player that uh, could have been avoided, but maybe some of the, the um, accused um, verbal abuse and et cetera just wouldn't be going on. Uh, more transparency in some of these practices would maybe clear some of that stuff up. You know, I mean, I don't know what, what's, the, what's the big secret, you know. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, guys, next on the Go Big Redcast, let's put on our Scarlet Colored Glasses and talk all things Husker football. And, uh, you know, Nebraska football has been in the media left and right uh, this fall camp and uh, really local and national. Honky, you want to run us down some of the the biggest uh, headlines of the week? Yeah, just the last couple of days, we've had Bill Moose was on Husker Sports uh, nightly, so he was on the radio here locally. We've had Coach Osborne interviewed by Chris Lowe of ESPN, and uh, I think it was yesterday uh, Coach Frost was on the Jim Rome show. So like you're saying, Dave, we've had kind of a nice mix of local and, and national with a variety of uh, kind of leaders in the program. Um, let's start with the Osborne one. I think maybe the, the big takeaway that came from that, or the big quote was that he said uh, that Frost, if he had not been hired, he thinks that the sellout streak would have would have ended. And I think I'm not trying to second guess Osborne or anything, but I'll say I, he's definitely half right. If nothing would have changed, if if Riley was our head coach today, I'm not jumping off on a too big of a tangent to say that I think the sellout streak would have been some serious jeopardy if no changes would have been made. I don't know that the, the sellout streak would have been gone if, say, we would have hired you know Fuentes or whoever some of the other names that were being thrown out there. But, but no matter what, I'm I'm definitely glad that we got the guy that we have. I don't know, Dave. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it would well, have gone? Well, I know away? I'm experiencing this firsthand right now because uh, we committed to going to the Colorado game a year ago, uh, even further than that. Really, we do an annual RV trip back, and so that's where the Redcast tailgate's going to happen. Uh, I've been patiently waiting to see if uh, some of the online ticket prices would go down for this game. And, uh, you know, Colorado game right now, a ticket is around $150, $160 online, um, which is probably twice as much as uh, the face value is. So clearly the demand is back up. Um, honestly, I, I want to ask the Redcast uh uh, listeners out there, if anybody has uh, got extra tickets to sell, hit us up. I'll, I'll give you a fair price. Um, I'm really just trying to avoid all those service fees from Ticketmaster, etc. So um, let me know. But it, it is it is definitely a higher demand uh, than we've had in past years. So so DM us on, on Twitter or, or you can email us at gobigredcast at gmail. Uh, this is the Get Dave Tickets to the Colorado game. That's right. So, uh, Yes, please help Jeez. the Redcast out. All I asked for was a buffalo head, and then it is. Yeah, you know, if, if tickets and a buffalo head. If we could find Mr. Chip, that would also uh, help out a lot. 
Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, Frost, Coach Frost was on uh, Jim Rome yesterday. And again, just taking through, there was a lot that went on in that interview, but I, the one takeaway I'm going to go over is where he talked about the no cussing and how he treats the players. And I think that it's relevant because of the stuff that's been going on with Maryland. That, you know, It's kind of in the news right now is how you treat players, just how you go about doing that. And I thought Frost, you know, he really made this interesting point. It kind of sounds like Osborne talking all over again about the no cussing and being able to treat people with respect and and, um, and just being able to do it the right way. I don't think it, – it's not mutually exclusive that you can treat players the right way and win football games. You don't have to do – you don't have to, you know, be a – be a jerk and, and, you know, just yell sure. up a guy, you know, left and right. So I listened to that Rome, Rome uh, interview, and, uh, A, Jim Rome loves Nebraska. I mean, the guy came to Omaha one time 20 years ago and just thinks Nebraska fans are awesome, so that's great. I just love love Jim, how he, how he still ha- uh, appreciates us so much. But I thought it was interesting that Frost mentioned about the no swearing thing, and you're like, oh, it's just like a Tom Osborne thing, and he's going to be super polite. But uh, he also said in the same interview how much when Grant Winstrom and Jason Peter spoke to the uh, team last Friday night, uh, they were uh, swearing um, a mile a minute. So I think the important thing there is you're not swearing at the kids. Uh, You may be swearing around them because uh, you're using it for emphasis or whatever. But So it's not just like Osborne, but it's important that you're not degrading your players with, with terms, you know. Yeah, there, there was certainly this isn't like a, a G-rated practice going on. There was there are words that should not be heard for the general public consumption. You were talking about like, is it good or bad for media to be there? There are some things that are definitely you know, uh, locker room words that are being thrown around there, but but demeaning and belittling a player that is not. That is not what these guys are after, you know. When Peter and Winstrom come in there and, and they're they're talking those guys up, it's from a motivational standpoint. It's not from a, it's not from a, you're not giving enough kind of effort kind of deal. That the stuff coming out of uh, Maryland on all this is just, uh, yeah. I don't know how that even works any longer. I, I don't know why you would actually try to motivate a team. How if, if the allegations against the Maryland. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, staff is, is accurate. Yeah, it's Full Metal Jacket sense. wasn't a how-to guide. I don't know where they're yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, that didn't. Well, mo- that movie didn't end well. No, <laughs> did not, no, did not. no. Did anyone not finish that? Yeah, they got, they got well, about you know a quarter of the way through, and good enough. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and I take I've always taken pride that on the on the the red cast we, we're fifty shows in now. This is our fiftieth episode, and and we've kind of made a. Oh, I don't know, a pact between the four of us that we weren't going to cuss on the show. And with the exception of a couple of dams and a crap or something, for the most part, we, we've kept that. What the hell? I don't think we've gotten anything worse than the words we just said. But that doesn't mean we don't use them. And come out to the uh, Redcast tailgate against Colorado, and you can hear No, no, that'll the, be uh, PG. Come on, Hunk. <laughs> that will be, you know, we'll enjoy all the words there, right? Excellent. Uh, <laughs> the, the other, uh, the other uh, media appearance in the last couple of days, Bill Moose was on on uh, Husker Sports Nightly, and he talked about some of the other Big East issues, and like Maryland, and very specifically, he talked about how he, for three hours every Tuesday morning, meets with his senior staff, and they, I mean, they have this open communication lines that go all the way through the athletic department, 350 plus uh, employees, and you can you can understand in a in a athletic department just like any business, you can understand how things can get lost or things can get 
you know, not reported just being as big as that is. And it's really important, he stressed it, to have those open lines of communications going up and down. Because, I mean, you just, there's no room for errors and mistakes. Like, Maryland's is just on a different level right now than than any of the other things that, that we're hearing from other schools right now. I mean, Maryland's is just a, a whole different beast. Well, and, and, and mistakes are going to happen. You've got, there's so many people, so many moving parts that you're going to be it you're a victim of human nature. But the thing is, you know, we always talk about the, the cover-up is always worse than the actual scandal. You know, hopefully, you know, you'd like to think people have learned from these lessons, but... Yeah, hey, we keep man. on seeing them, so you're you right. You just yeah. do. It's yeah. like, how do you teach your kids? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it feels like we're getting into this dark area, and I want to move past that, so let's leave... Let's end this on a, on a positive note. One of the things that Bill Moose talked about regarding the first practice of the year, he said that was as good as any he's seen in terms of organization and the level of focus on the football team. So he mentioned that, and then he also talked about how the student tickets sold out earlier than usual. So I think those are some really positive notes that we can, we can end on and, uh, and move on into our, our conference predictions. All right, sounds good, guys. Let's uh, go into our conference breakdown. And we will start with uh, the Pac-12, I believe. Right, guys? Pansy ball. Uh, all right, Pac-12 ball. So West Coast football. Mike Riley style? No, Mike Riley's not even in the, in the Pac-12. He came and went from Oregon State already. But uh, we do have uh, some interesting uh, battles in both uh, the North and South divisions of the Pac-12. Um, I think the North has the cream of the crop there with Washington, but... Interesting to see. Uh, some people are very high on Stanford this year. Oregon uh, could uh, make a comeback, especially with one of the, maybe the best quarterback in the league with Justin Herbert. Uh, we know him firsthand a, a little bit for the last two years. Uh, and then the South has a, a really a wide-open race. Uh, USC is there, obviously, but you have Khalil Tate at Arizona as one of the most dynamic players out there. Came onto the scene last year as a redshirt freshman and just blew up. Um and you also have uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA. A lot of stuff to cover here. Let's start with Boomer. Uh, what are your initial impressions in the Pac-12 this year? Well, the Pac-12, at least you know, so far looking at everything, it's probably the funnest of the conferences to kind of look at and try to predict because it's the one that's the most wide open and just, just a complete enigma in a lot of cases, especially that Pac-12 South. I mean, there's so many fun storylines in that. You know, who's going to come out of there? Is it going to USC, Arizona? You know, some people are talking Utah as a possible, you know, dark horse there. Actually, uh, some people are going to say Arizona State. I'm like, really? Yeah, well, I'm, just, I'm excited to, to, see if, uh, to win I just want to see game. if Herm Edwards shows up the first game and realizes he's a head coach. I just want to see if that happens. I think that'll be entertaining. If he even remembers he's a coach there, or they have a team, so that'll be good. And then, that, you know, what? That should be a reality yeah, show. At Chip Kelly at UCLA, that'll be a fun uh fun program to see what he can put into place there and i think it'll be fun to compare you know ucla's progress to what we do here at nebraska it'll be an interesting measuring stick that whole student and uh and a master kind of thing see who can get a program you know turned around fastest i think that'll be kind of a fun just thing for husker fans to keep an eye on there's a lot of good stories there coming out of the pack you know the pack 12 south especially the north you know it, it, like you said it's got the cream of the crop there uh washington i think is the easy favorite there uh, unfortunately, you know, the Pirates at Washington State looks like they're going to be rebuilding a bit this year, so they may struggle a bit. But he's always good for at least a few good uh, midseason quotes and rants on Bigfoot or UFOs or marriage or anything in between. So we've always got that. <laughs> That's true. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, the Pac-12 South in particular is intriguing to me in the sense that I think USC probably a, clearly the most talented team, but there's a lot of questions there with their starting quarterback and some other key positions. And you have some other, other schools that have uh, some favorable schedules and matchups with North, Northern Division teams that could uh, result in, in a, a not expected finish. I, I looked at the, the scheduling, and I actually think Utah might have a legit shot to win the South just because they have everybody tough on their schedule playing in Salt Lake City. And so they really have a, an advantage there. Yeah, so they, I thought about you, them, yeah. But the trick with Utah is they play, yeah, they do host Arizona and USC, but I think they also get Oregon, Washington, and Stanford crossover. So they yeah, do get I think at least two of those yeah. are in Salt Lake. If, 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 I don't know if all three have to look there really quick, but yeah. uh, they, just, they have a really killer home schedule. I mean, you're getting your, your value worth if you have uh, Utah youth season tickets this year because you got some That's great true. home games. So for any of our Ute listeners out there, I hope yes. you've, uh, you purchased early. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think to, for the North, you're right. Washington probably is, from a from a star standpoint, maybe undervalued nationally. You know, I mean, with Browning and Miles Gaskin, both of them could have legitimate uh, big years. Um, it just seemed like they're a little bit forgotten because they're a year removed from that playoff run and then the, the failure to succeed in the playoff when they made it uh, might tamper those, those expectations. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think a lot of it is just they were there once. They didn't do much. They kind of forgot about it. Kind of like the Michigan State approach. Everyone just kind of, ooh, they did, made it once, performed poorly, and let's forget about them. And then, like I said, most of the interesting stories, at least for media clicks and everything, are down in the south side of the Pac-12. So it might be just a good time for Washington to kind of just quietly put together a quality season and sneak in. So it'll be interesting to see. What I'm kind of curious about, I mean, I think out of all the uh, Power 5 conferences, the Pac-12 seems to be the one that's the most balanced between divisions. I mean, you go to the Big Ten and, you know, the East is the better one than the West. That's the narrative. The SEC, the West is better than the East. But I'll tell you, in the Pac-12, there's a lot of balance, at, especially at the high part. I mean, the north side, you're going to have Stanford, Oregon, and Washington. But the south, when you've got USC and now you have UCLA with Chip Kelly, there's just, you know, there's going to be balance, I think, in who wins that and actually – who has won the conference has gone back and forth now kind of over the over the course of the last few years. So um, I would agree for the most part. I think Washington's probably the the, the front runner in it, in it right now. But uh, just for anyone out there, we're not making any predictions yet. We're going to do that on the future show. Probably next week or the week after that, we'll actually make our conference picks. But uh, I would definitely think Washington's going to be on quite a few of ours. You know, Washington can make the big splash in week one there because they play Auburn at a neutral site game in Atlanta. So Oh yeah, yeah. That is very, very neutral there. <laughs> I've driven from Auburn to Atlanta before. That was two hours. I can't remember where Washington Washington's kinda northwest. Kinda Georgia. northwest. Well yeah, yeah if, if you fly around the Arctic Circle using that curvature of the earth, it might be Yeah. Drop you right down in a good exactly. five or six hour flight yeah. probably. Well, they're using it as a recruiting trip, Washington. I mean, they're trying to oh, branch yeah. out. Because the only way to build up their, their recruiting stats and get up there is to go in the southeast and cherry pick some guys, man. You know, Boomer, can't re- take everybody. remind me, you probably remember this, uh, Chris Peterson, when he was at Boise, went down to Atlanta, and didn't he beat Georgia in the Georgia Dome? I believe like, they did, yeah. That's, that's ringing a bell. I don't remember the year on that. I'll have to look that up real quick. 
So yeah, he's got some experience familiar. there. That feels and, and like 2006 or seven ish I think. Maybe a little bit after ago. that. But the uh, point Please. is, I, I think Peterson's well-known as a really great uh, game preparation coach. Really knows how to, to get his team ready for one game. He's had a lot of time to be ready for this game. So it'll be intriguing to see if Washington can come out and uh, beat Auburn. Um, uh, 2011 is what we're looking for. He's got to be one of the best coaches to not win a championship right now. I mean, you look at his track record and what he's done at his programs. Now that he's finally at Washington, I just feel like it's got to be a matter of time before that guy really starts making his mark. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right, Mac. I mean, he's probably one of the most respected, that's for certain. Now, you don't hear a lot of bad things coming out of him. On nope. that side of the country. Right. Of course, it's very late in the evening, so I'm probably asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, anything else on the Pac-12? Nah, let's move on, SEC. Pansy ball. All right, SEC. Well, this should be a short segment, right? Uh, it's obviously <laughs> Alabama versus Georgia. I mean, why are we even talking about this? I mean, yeah, done. I mean, that and the SEC West is clearly the strongest conference in the in the country, right? Oh, we're in the history of sports. In the history Ever. of sports, because Ole Miss, Mississippi State, yeah, sure, right. Yep. <laughs> uh, hockey, why, why don't you jump on this a little bit? But you know, if we start in the SEC West, obviously you have Alabama, who is loaded, and they have a quarterback controversy themselves. Uh, maybe it won't be such a controversy after game one, how that plays out. Uh, but you also have uh, an Auburn team with uh, Jert Stidham, uh, a lot of returning uh, players there. LSU is always a question mark, but we have Joe Burrow as a storyline there as potentially mm-hmm. starting quarterback. LSU recently just had two of their younger quarterbacks uh, announced transfers, so it's kind of down to him and I think uh, Miles Brennan, uh, who I, I believe, uh, Boomer, maybe you can look this up. I think that uh, Miles Brennan uh, uh player for LSU is actually part of the Brennan family who's famous uh, restaurateurs in New Orleans uh, so that's a pretty interesting little side story um, and then uh, you have A&M with uh, Jimbo obviously so lots of stuff going there anyone else uh, want to jump on the SEC West I think you hit it pretty good there I mean obviously you've got a, a pretty good quarterback uh, battle going on right now in Bama Hurts and, and Tua there um, I mean but you know, Bama looks pretty strong. You know, a top three running back unit, four offensive linemen return, probably the best linebacking core in the country. And so, I mean, just they've got – And it's Alabama. And it's Bama. I mean, it's just a waste of time to, to try to – if you're trying to find flaws with them, it's just – until Saban's gone, you just sound like a jerk. You can say you that – Because we're PG. You, you can say that <laughs> – you, you can say like the SEC has won 10 of the last however many titles, but at the end of the day, it's Saban's won X amount of those titles. It's the coach. You know, and, and the SEC – like how, how many titles that has the SEC won that weren't coached by a team that was either Saban or Urban Meyer? Two, Two right? Two. Yeah. yeah. Two – what? An Auburn and – Less Miles. LSU yeah. with Miles. Yep, that's right. I mean, that's – that's it, unless you want to go way back to Tennessee with uh, you know, Phil Fulmer in 98. Point is, we can talk all we want about you know, all these great teams and everything, but it's, it's literally two coaches at three teams, Meyer and, and Saban at LSU, Florida, and, and, and Alabama. And I don't see any reason to think that anything's going to be different this year. Um, I think there's some big non-conference games, and you hit on a big one there with Auburn and uh, Washington, Dave. I think that's right. – and it gets – 
I mean, that's that's the credibility piece is that at some point here, and I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a anti SEC guy. I mean, we at some point I'm rooting for any team that's playing an SEC team in non conference games to to get a win. But it's just so frustrating to watch a team have to fly four thousand miles to play a team that that has to drive two hours. That part's just it's just tiring to see that, and that's my frustration with those neutral site games. It's not really a breakdown of a team, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe what do we you could to, actually break down a team we, for us. What well, what do we need to break down? Alabama's going to win the West. There. Here's a question for you, Mac and Hockey. Here's a question for you. Will Alabama lose a game this year? Because they do typically end up losing a game somewhere. Yes, Who would you call? Where, where are they going to lose? Oh, they will either lose to Auburn, which this year would be a home game for them, or they'll find a way to lose to Ole Miss. So I mean, let me run down their schedule here. Uh, Ole Miss. It's not going to be Louisville. Tech, I'm just doing SEC right here. Ole okay. Miss, A&M, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. No Citadel, Dave? I said it was, I was just doing the SEC because they played <laughs> okay. the Citadel. I think Joe Burrow uh, gives, him a, gives him an L. Yeah, where's the, Alabama, where's the LSU game at, Dave? In Death Valley. Ooh. I'll give Joe Burrow the L. And LSU is coming off a bye that week, as well as Alabama. So both of them will have a, a week to prepare. Alabama's going to kill them. LSU screws up every year against against. Well, them. let's see what they do without the fighting less miles. It I is mean. literally Ole Miss and Auburn seem to be the only teams that can that can never pull off a W against. A&M, maybe. Well, a, you know, well, A&M is interesting with, with Fisher there. Yeah, I, at the coaching. very least. Is that, yeah. Now, is that in College no, Station? No, Alabama, but that's how uh, Johnny Manziel beat him was uh, – at at Alabama, so never know. I'm calling Joe Burrow here. Okay. Joe Burrow here. All right, I like it. What? Where's the Where's the Missouri game at? Not Alabama. Forget it, forget it, forget it. Missouri's breaking a new OC. <laughs> That's yeah. true. All right. Well, let's take take a crack at the SEC East, which is probably as easy of a, a question. You have Georgia as the, the clear leader there in that clubhouse. Uh, is anybody possibly threatening Georgia? to win the SEC East. I mean, it is a bit of a disaster there. Unless Florida, who probably actually has the talent, uh, makes a huge jump in year one uh, under Dan Mullen, or even less likely Tennessee makes a huge jump uh, with Jeremy Pruitt. I, I just don't know if anybody, I, I guess, must champ is South Carolina. Honky? I, I was going to just no. say, I think South Carolina, other than South Carolina, you know, there's two teams in that state, South Carolina and Clemson. We used to say teams pull a Clemson when they'd screw up, and now we can't say that anymore. But teams still do pull a South Carolina. And so they're going to pull one this year. But I actually I, – I really like what South Carolina has coming back here. I mean, they've got starters, three offensive line starters, three D-line starters, two linebackers returning. Uh, I mean, you've got your quarterback back and Jake Bentley. All the running backs are back. And – and uh, Samuel returns to lead a talented running back group. I mean, it's just they've got all the pieces there. But, I, I mean, I, I think we can I, – Muschamp, I don't trust him as a head coach to, to it's interesting take a team how, to the next level. how he's somehow resurrected his career. I mean, he gets fired from Florida, gets hired right away at South Carolina. People are, like, scratching their heads. Um, but last year they went 9-4 and four with a – a very uh, uh, kind of uh, surprising win in the bowl game versus Michigan, where Michigan just totally blew that game yep. um, to get to nine and four. And yeah, they they do have a lot of people coming back, so it could be interesting to see how how Muschamp can actually. Do, 
I think Dan Mullen. I'm sorry. Well, do you remember when nine and four wasn't very good, Dave? Uh, sorry, continue. Uh, <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, I, I think Dan Mullen is one of my favorite hires in the offseason period. I think that guy is a perfect fit for Florida. Yeah, uh, the last I agree. time they were successful, really down there, he was a part of that staff. He knows what he's doing. He probably left his team in one of the better situations, short of maybe a, a frost. You know, like. I, I like that guy as a coach. I like where he's at. I think Georgia obviously is no one's no one's recruiting better than than Georgia. That's Kirby right. Smart right now. Nobody's out recruiting him right now. And, and you could they're so close. I mean, they are so close to to breaking through that Alabama kind of ceiling in that conference. But they were man, there at the championship game last year. They should have had that. It was so cool. Well, and, and Boomer, but but they can't mess around because Florida, Florida's on the come, man. They and really I think are. I think Boomer would probably bring up. It would be great to see Georgia and Alabama play, but uh, yeah, unless they happen. play in the yeah. conference title game, which they didn't last year, um, we only get to see them play in national. Yeah, title I, games, I, I, Boomer, maybe you can find that really quick, but they're. Their amount of times they've played in the regular season is just extraordinarily low. Isn't it's it? very it's low. Like, I remember we looked at that a few years ago, and it it's incredible how rarely they tend to beat each other. Just for yeah, teams that should be the crop of both divisions, when yeah, you they have, just never play each other. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know why. But, well, yeah, I know yeah. why, but yeah, that's all right. Yeah, well, honestly, I don't know why it, that they won't. I mean, I mean, it's interesting. Nebraska has got a six-year stretch where we're going to play Ohio State. Uh, as a cross division rival, uh, there's been you know rumors that we're going to have Michigan for six years straight coming up at some point, um, but you would never see Alabama and Georgia do that. I mean, they they might play once or twice a decade uh, at best. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, no. I will say this with Florida, and I think Mac is right with Mullen. He's stepped into a decent situation in Florida, and I think he's a great fit there. Uh, they've got their top two running backs returning. Uh, plus a guy, Scarlett, he's coming back from, from suspension. They have three of their top four wide receivers back, all five offensive linemen return. So, I mean, that offense, Who does, they, they, they're going to they're gonna have a quarterback battle, but, I mean, they have all the pieces around that QB back. That's what I was just saying is, I mean, Florida has really had an issue with their quarterback position now for um, several years, uh, almost really since uh, Meyer since and Tebow left. left. And that's been really been holding holding them back, right? You know, so mm-hmm. they can figure out the quarterback situation, and I think that's what Mullen is supposed to do, right? I mean, uh, the Dak Prescotts and et cetera. So, yeah, if you can fix that, I think Florida could be back real quick. Yep. Some quick numbers here for you, Dave. Uh, first off, um, uh, Miles Brennan. Yes, he is from the uh, famed Brennan family of New Orleans, owners of Commander's Palace, among other fine restaurants. They, there in they New Orleans. invented the family invented Bananas Foster. For goodness yeah, sake. I highly recommend Commander's Palace if you ever have a yes. chance to go there. It's a classic. You should stop by, among other restaurants there in New Orleans. And uh, a quick glance at the uh, Georgia Alabama uh, games history. Since 1995, in the regular season, one, two, three. Four. They've met five times since 1995. That's 22 years. Crap, we've played. We've met him like three times. Oh, we sorry. played Georgia. Yeah, we played Georgia about as many times as Alabama has in the regular season. They played in uh, an SEC title <laughs> game and the national championship game last year. But otherwise, that's that's that's, that's, that's it. That's incredible. You can play a team in your conference your that little. Never. <laughs> that is crazy. Home state. That's just ridiculous. doesn't make any sense. I, I don't. Oh. I don't get that at all. Um, yeah. Hey, there you go, Tony Hack. There's your SEC bias. <laughs> Chew on that one, brother. Yeah, we don't want you know two of our best programs to play each other in regular season, so they just won't. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I don't, I don't get it. So. 
I noticed um, nobody brought a Vanderbilt or Kentucky in this discussion. Anyone have anything bad on them? No. 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 Okay. Or Tennessee or Missouri. Well, or I am kind of curious to Tennessee after Kentucky, the train wreck of the offseason they had. I kind of want to see what they actually amount to this year, considering they couldn't. They decided they were too good for every potential coach they had. So that's right. I do want to see what uh, what Pruitt does there and. Yeah, if they struggle a little bit, yeah, that's just more fun. So. I, I actually do like Pruitt as a fit for Tennessee. I just think it's going to be hard this year. Oh, yeah, yeah this won't I be I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 All right, well, I'll be very interested to see what our picks are, uh, at least in the Pac-12. I think I know what our picks are in the SEC. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the strongest and Sabans. most unbalanced conference you could possibly imagine right now. Yep, Arkansas Vanderbilt. Count it now. Yeah. So. Well, well uh, going to be the yeah. Uh, Mark it gonna down. Going to be the yeah. Uh, Arkansas wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's wrap this up with uh, some parting shots. Uh, Honky, I'll let you go first as usual. All right. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention uh, that Bill Moose talked about on uh, Sports Nightly, he was talking about the uh, Nebraska women's basketball has a 95% women, uh, season ticket renewal rate. Men's basketball is at 93%, so that's – very good news. Uh, men's basketball, uh, they also brought in D-Doc Chan, a 6'8", 215-pound sophomore with immediate eligibility. So basketball, we're, we're back up to 12 scholarships, and the 13th will probably be Tanner Borchardt. Uh, so that's good news. And the, the other good news it, that Moose talked about was with volleyball. And he mentioned how the volleyball scrimmage, we talked about the, uh, the fan day that's going on Saturday with football, but the volleyball team is having their red-white scrimmage uh, on Saturday, and it's sold out. I mean, 8,000 people are selling out a scrimmage for the, the, the volleyball team. It's just absolutely stunning. And, and why not? That's the number two team in the country, uh, according to the preseason AVCA coaches poll. So uh, great news. Not, not a huge surprise necessarily, but always good news to, to see that the other sports that uh, we don't always give as much time to are, are doing great here. Uh, so that's my parting shot. All right. Thanks, Hawk. How about you, Mac? I just want to – I don't know if I, I did this last week or not, but I do want to thank the Redcasters for the, uh, the tips on the Hulu Live. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, actually. It's, it's going to be uh, fine. I'm, I'm working through the navigational uh, settings of the, uh, of the app, so I feel like I'm ready for, for college football. I got my, I got my home entertainment system kind of set up now, so I'm ready to go, man. Hulu Let's bring on the season. I'm tired of this. Let's go. All right, all right. Football. Scott Frost. Scofro. Scofro, that's right. By the way, milk is $1.77 at Hy-Vee, or at, <laughs> at, at, at Walmart. I almost tweeted it, but I didn't. Uh, and Boomer. Well, again, uh, Honky mentioned it earlier, but I just would like to say that this is our uh, 50th podcast. Uh, I don't think many of us thought we'd make it past four or five, but uh, just like to remind the Redcast listeners that the uh, 50th anniversary gift is traditionally gold, so please, if you have any of that, just uh, go ahead and DM us that as well, and uh, we can work that out. So. I'll, I'll take just, Bitcoin. I'll just take some CU tickets, man. Well, they have gold <laughs> colors, so it'll be Hook a yeah. brother up. Get Dave some CU tickets, Redcasters. And a Buffalo Please. head. Redcasters right. results. That's we right. say it all the time. We, we charge nothing for this show. Just give the man some damn tickets. <laughs> Would ya? Uh, all right, guys. Uh, great show tonight. Had a lot of fun. Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. We are. Get tickets. Uh,